0: So Agnes Sanford, as you've heard me share before, she wrote about prayer, lived a life of prayer, taught a lot of people about prayer, and she would share something that transformed her life when she was very young, just a few years old, and looking back at that time as an adult. And she wrote in her biography this, when I was a child, my younger sister was very ill. I never forgot the words of my father one day. If only there was something we could do. There was. We're going to see something here today, a verse that may not be familiar, but I hope it becomes familiar, like John three sixteen, that you'll take and listen to this verse, study this verse, recall this verse, make it a part of a, your daily life in Christ. Before we get to that, I want to give an update, you know, on, on what's been happening here. Millersburg, Ohio, community next door, as many know, uh, missionaries there we've been praying as people have been around the world Uh, they were kidnapped in haiti by gangs they are demanding a ransom of a million dollars we're talking they took 17 missionaries from adults all the way down to an infant they gave an update a couple years ago or excuse me a couple days ago they shared it's now been 21 days since the kidnapping in haiti this has been an intense journey Uh, God's love has carried us through it. We trust he's carrying the hostages. The political situation in Haiti remains extremely volatile. Reports state, nearly half the country is under the control of gangs. Pray for the Haitians who suffered during this time. We have no way to communicate with the hostages, but if we could speak to them, we'd ensure them they are constantly in our thoughts and prayers. We are working for their return and many believers around the world are remembering them. So we continue to pray whether it's for those in haiti or your neighbor next door but we do it from a standpoint of understanding what we're going to look at today remember what does peter say second peter 3 9 god bears patiently with you his desire being no one should perish but all should come to repentance there in that first century people asked peter when is judgment day and he said god is holding off that you have time to repent, that all should repent, that none should perish. You know, Martin Luther said, a religion that gives nothing, costs nothing, and suffers nothing is worth nothing. Let us be about living out this faith life in a commitment so that we don't live in a worthless religion about self and rules. Rather, we trust, you know, his promise. He holds back judgment day so people have a a chance to turn and receive Christ and and repent. So the verse we're going to look at is Isaiah 28, 21. Isaiah 28, 21, probably not a familiar verse, but after today, let it be something deep in our understanding and that you and I take and remember this verse daily. Take the promises of what it is talking about here. Now, before that verse, let me read Ezekiel, which is similar to what Peter says. Ezekiel 33 in the Old Testament now says this, As I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked would turn from his way and live. So from the the New Testament, the Old Testament, the same thing is there, that the grace is offered. You'll hear people make the criticism and they'll say, you know, in the Old Testament, it's about judgment and law, and the New Testament's about grace grace simply not true from Genesis to Revelation. It makes clear that sin is judged, but it also makes clear all the way through scripture that grace is greater than that sin. And what happens, you're going to see here in Isaiah, tremendous statement that he makes about both of these, that sin is judged, but there's also grace. Now, let me be clear, judgment It is clear all through scripture that one day we will give an account. For those in Christ, we're told we have his righteousness. Our sin is cast as far as the east is from the west. Those who choose to enter eternity into a Christless eternity, it's judgment. What does Jesus say about that? For those who reject him, it'd be better had they never been born. You know, John Newton would share this, come my soul, thy suit prepared. Jesus loves to answer prayer. Thou art coming to a king, large petitions with thee bring. So we understand we're coming to the king who withholds judgment day that people might repent. Takes no joy in the death of the wicked. But sin cannot enter into that holy place. It has to be cleansed and Christ is the one, the truth, the life, the way brings that sin Washes it clean, trades his righteousness for us. We do nothing to earn that. It's his grace. Let's go back to Agnes Sanford. Understanding again, we come to the king. When I was a child, my younger sister was very ill. I never forgot the words of my father one day. If only there was something we could do. There was. Now as a mature believer in Christ, I have seen many such illnesses healed. If only he had known to give himself to prayer, laying both hands on her, praying for her, the prayer of command, the miracle-working prayer. Lord, enter into this baby and destroy with your might all germ and infection within her and fill her with new life. Thank you, Lord, for it will be so. I have known a child to pray thus and her baby brother to be instantly healed of polio. You see, that's grace that invites us, whether we're talking about a neighbor or family, a situation in Haiti, to join with Christ to bring the light, salt, kingdom life into this world so people can be set free from their sin. But again, a religion that gives nothing, costs nothing, suffers nothing, is worth nothing. It's time to end those weak commitments or 10% commitments and to say, I'm all in. With the king. David Ireland shares about two friends, Pauline and Ted. He writes this one night, a nice drive turned into a nightmare. Suddenly, Pauline and Ted were staring death in the face. Heavy winds and rain appeared out of nowhere. A tornado was heading in their direction at an amazing speed. As has been said, prayer is God's language. Before I share Isaiah, I want to share a parable several years old who wrote this has been lost at this point it's a humorous story but the the point here is very clear i'll give you an update on somebody we talked about a few weeks ago that you can see again the difference decisions make and if we make that decision to say "I, i don't want a worthless religion i want to say this is my king jesus reigns his grace and i want to be a Messenger of that grace, living that grace. And here's the parable. There was a farmer who had three sons Jim, John, and Sam. No one in the family attended church or had time for God. The pastor and the church members tried for years to interest the family in the things of God, but to no avail. One day, then, Sam was bitten by a rattlesnake. The doctor was called. He did all he could, but the outlook for Sam was very dim. So the pastor was called, informed of the situation. When he arrived, the pastor prayed as follows. Wise, righteous father, we thank you in your wisdom. You sent this rattlesnake to bite Sam. He's never been inside the church. Doubtfully has in all his time ever prayed or acknowledged your existence. Now, we trust this experience will be a valuable lesson to him and lead him to genuine repentance. And the pastor continued, Now, O oh Father, we you send another rattlesnake to bite Jim? Another to bite John? Another to bite the old man? God, the only thing that will do this family any real good is rattlesnakes. So Lord, send us bigger and better rattlesnakes. Amen. So again, a humorous story, but a, a great point is sometimes it's the rattlesnakes in life that grab hold of our attention, wake us out of that slumber, I hope that this verse we look at here will grab us in a similar way. Again, as Tony Robbins said, fear is you imagining the worst. Faith is you imagining a higher purpose. Our higher purpose is to walk out this life in Christ, proclaiming the promise, good news, but also they're ready to answer questions when people say, you know, what about injustice in the world? What about sin in the world? What about my own mistakes and sin? Well, here's the answer, Isaiah 28, 21. First part of the verse, people debate the actual moments in history being referred to here. The reason Isaiah is so important, all scripture God breathed, but Isaiah in the Old Testament speaks more and more beautifully about Messiah than any other book So what he has to say here, first part of the verse, he shares this, The Lord shall rise up as in Mount Perizim. He shall be wroth as in the Valley of Gibeon. So those moments, Mount Perizim, the Valley of Gibeon, they were moments that are comparative to what he states now. God may do his work, his strange work, and bring to pass his act, his strange act. That's the King James Version. Let me read some other versions, that second part of the verse. Notice again the clarity of what's being relayed here by Isaiah may sound strange to our ears. I'll clear it up in a moment. English Standard Version, the Lord will rise up to do his deed. Strange is his deed. Alien is his work. Christian Standard Bible, he will do his work, his unexpected work, his unfamiliar task. American Standard reads, his strange work to bring to pass his strange act. Aramaic Bible, his strange work, his strange acts. Breton translation, his wrath shall deal strangely, his destruction shall be strange. Notice the last one here, Dewey Rames translation, that God may do his work, his strange work, that he may perform this work, his work is strange to him. Fascinating verse. What is this? God's strange work and his strange act. Those words are in each of the translations in one form or another. What is God's strange work, his strange act? What is being mentioned here? Remember, as I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Or Peter, he bears patiently with you, His desire that none should perish, but all should come to repentance. So what is taking place here? I'll read a couple commentaries. Here's McLaren's statement. The point on which we should concentrate attention in this remarkable expression is that judgment is God's strange work. What Isaiah is proclaiming here, as has been proclaimed through the First book of the Bible to the last, sin will be judged. Grace is there for those that receive it. But sin will have its day when it is answered by God's righteousness. Judgment, though, that judgment upon sin, judgment day, that's the strange work, the alien work. The strange act of God. Why? Because God is love and he desires all to come to repentance. For those that refuse, there will be judgment. But even that day to God will be strange. As McLaren says here, judgment is God's strange work. It's made more emphatic by the word translated act, which means hard, heavy, a toil or a task. When you hear people say, you know, God is... There's the judgment and wrath. That's simply not true. What there is is grace and there's sin that will be judged. But even to God, it is a toil, a task to deal with sin and judgment for those that reject that grace. It is implied the opposite here is congenial to God. So if judgment is the anomaly out of his ordinary course of action, foreign to his nature, Well, what is in line with God's nature? It's the love, the holiness, the joy, the freedom from sin, freedom from death, freedom from fear. Jameson Fawcett said, this judgment is not what God delights in. It is though necessary, yet strange to him. What a wonderful statement here by Isaiah. When people go around and say, isn't God... You know, isn't Christianity, doesn't the Bible speak of judgment? And you and I can say, listen, it very clearly does. Because justice must prevail. If you lay your life in Christ, he washes your sin away. For those that refuse that grace, there will be a day of judgment. But it'll be strange to God too. Contrary to his own expression of that perfect joy and peace because... For those that reject that offer, even unto God, it's going to be an alien work, a task, a toil, but it will happen. Let's not be, you know, pushing over, you know, to to try to just gloss over that because the reality is those again, Jesus said that reject him, be better you had not been born. So why would you reject that offer of grace? Barnes notes said the work of judgment and punishment may be called the strange work of God, inasmuch it is not that in which he delights, it is foreign to the benevolence of his heart. But one day he will do that work, that strange work, his strange act, when sin, the devil, will be judged at the day of judgment, and sin will be no more. So for you and I, let's not have a, a worthless religion. Let's rest in the promise. It's, it's his calling. It's his holiness that will not permit sin. So let us turn from sin. It's his grace that beckoned us to live in that victory in Jesus. So let us not take it for granted and have a worthless religion, but say rather, I come unto the king. Now let me tell you about that king. If you don't know him, he's patient with you so that you have time to repent and turn from your sins. For those that reject his offer know this, he takes no delight, whether it's in your death or your judgment. It's a strange work to him. So why would you deny the good news? One night, a nice drive turned into a nightmare. Suddenly, Pauline and Ted were staring death in the face. Heavy winds and rain Appeared out of nowhere, a tornado was heading in their direction at an amazing speed. The wind gusts split trees like toothpicks. It was heading directly toward them. There was nowhere to turn. Jesus, mercy! Jesus, mercy! Pauline cried. It seemed surreal. The tornado knocked down a tree 10 feet in front of them, then it stopped as quickly as it appeared. They were left speechless and they began then to offer thanks to god that's kingdom life that's kingdom life that says there's always the promise daily of his provision we depend on that proclaim it pray for that and believe that especially in a world of darkness and pain we speak forth the light of christ that says listen judgment is real but it's a strange work of god why would you turn and reject the good news christ that way the truth and the life takes your sin away listen to what paul Thigpin shared one day at college during college i had two jewish roommates who knew i was a christian one day i found them sitting dejectedly beside an open window in our dorm i asked what was wrong We want to play basketball, said one. We've looked and looked for a ball and can't find one. Hey, Paul, said the other, with a grin. Do you think Jesus has a basketball we could play with? Well, maybe he does, I replied. I'll pray that Jesus will send you a basketball right now. But if he does, I expect you to thank him for it. Okay, they said. So I bowed my head right then and there. I prayed aloud to Jesus for a basketball. Within five seconds after Amen, a basketball fell through the open window into the lap of my roommate as if it had come straight from heaven. His jaw dropped. A third friend shouted from the courtyard I found a ball, let's go. They claimed it was a coincidence. I responded, you know who to thank. Every day we get a chance to make a decision to see his hand in all things or to deny that reality. We have a chance to live our life embracing that grace, or we have a daily choice to say, I reject that those in christ i pray that we recognize the seriousness to live in holiness righteousness honor that king the one who withholds judgment that all may be saved before that day that strange act takes place when those who deny him face the real judgment the scripture makes clear happens close with a story here that you might be encouraged again that all things are really possible you've heard me share about matt entzine you know he's part of a, a coaching group online i'm a part of again back in january this year he weighed 700 pounds dependent on oxygen hadn't left his bed or his room in five years but in January, he got some counseling, some coaching with Tony Robbins, overcame his depression you know, and made a decision. He's going to choose to try to move forward in life. And so in bed, he got some weights, could move his arms a little bit. Eventually, with great effort, he could sit up in bed. Many weeks went by. He finally stood up. His next goal was to leave the room. Lots of effort, lots of work, lots of exercise, as much as he could do. Then he got down the steps. Then he went outside, as I shared a couple of months ago. Then he did something he hadn't done in five years. Got into a car and drove a car. Gave an update here just a, a couple days ago. Here's what he shared striving to be an uncommon man. I have dropped from 10X to 4X in pant size and shirt size. Courage is about progress. It's about getting up every day when you feel you cannot go on at times, when you are in physical pain, mental anguish, or the world says you do not have the ability to fit into society. You realize in those tough moments how powerful your decisions are. I'm grateful that my future bride has been there for me in the trenches, in the midst of my trials and struggles. It has been rough. The journey continues. Let me close with this. I thank God for my weaknesses. I thank God for my challenges. The beauty of resting in daily grace. The beauty of resting in the promise of the good news. So great is that news. God withholds that day of judgment that all may repent. Receive that promise of life. Come my soul, thy suit prepare. Jesus loves to answer prayer. Thou art coming to a king. Large petitions with thee bring.